Welcome to The Inner Circle, the podcast where The Radius Group, a team of experienced wealth advisors, brings you inside the circle of smart financial planning. With a network of industry experts, The Radius Group discusses the latest trends while sharing timeless wealth management techniques. So whether you're looking to optimize your portfolio, minimize taxes, or plan for your future, The Inner Circle is here to provide exclusive and valuable insights. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Inner Circle. I'm Tiffany Kellner, and I'm an advisor on The Radius Group. Today, our discussion is going to center more around estate planning. As a wealth advisor, we know that a good, solid financial plan means a lot more than just choosing the right investments inside of a portfolio. Uh, We know that we need to focus on things outside of investments, which we like to refer to as advanced planning. Unfortunately, advanced planning is one of the easiest things to overlook, which is why we think it's important to spend some time talking about it. Uh, Today with me, I have Michelle Vollmer. Now, I've met Michelle Vollmer about 20 years ago. She and I were both on the women's board at Dayton Children's Hospital. And over the years, I've had the honor and privilege of getting to know her more professionally. Uh, Michelle is a partner at Rogers and Greenberg, and she's been there for 29 years. And she's built a practice around estate planning and business succession planning. So thanks, Michelle, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So tell me, with all of the years of experience that you have had, I'm sure that you have seen many situations and complexities of estates, but what do you feel the most important documents are that everybody needs to have, really regardless of your net worth and and why? So when I meet with clients uh, for estate planning, I tend to divide um, the discussion and the the, the documents that they need into two categories. So there are documents that you need While you're alive, you might be physically or mentally incapacitated, but you are alive. So those documents, which are critical that everyone needs to have, um, is a financial power of attorney, which will allow somebody to act on your behalf in any type of financial transaction. Obviously, the person that you pick to serve in that role needs to be someone that you trust because as your power of attorney, they have a lot of discretion to handle your finances, um, access any kind of financial information. The other two important documents that you need during lifetime would be a healthcare power of attorney, which allows somebody to authorize and make uh, healthcare decisions on your behalf in the event that you're in, unable to make those decisions for yourself. And then lastly would be the living will. That's the end of life document. Uh, do you want a heroic life sustaining treatment to be um, given to you in the event that uh, your death is imminent, you're permanently unconscious, those kind of situations. Mm-hmm. So the, the big three during life would be a financial power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney, and a living will. Now, to flip to the documents that you need upon your death, those documents can really take several forms. Typically, everyone should have a last will and testament. That is going to identify who your personal representative would be, your executor. If you have minor children, that the will will disclose who you would want to serve as the guardian for your minor children. It's very important. You can also uh, handle the disposition of your estate through a revocable trust agreement. A lot of clients will ask me, do I really need a trust? So my questions to them are, well, what, what are your planning goals? Who are you trying to provide for? So trusts are really important in a few situations. If you have minor beneficiaries, the trust will allow you to prolong, spread out the distribution of the assets to maybe certain life events for them. When they graduate from college, when they turn 25, 
turn 30. It just allows you to structure um, the distribution of your assets to minors. Trusts are also useful if you have a beneficiary that has some sort of financial need. Maybe they have a substance abuse problem, bankruptcy issues. Um, the trust will allow you to, again, protect those assets and distribute them out over time. So the third reason would be if the client is interested in avoiding probate. Any assets that are held in a trust are going to automatically avoid probate, which means that the probate court doesn't get involved in the disposition of the, of the assets. You save court costs, you save legal fees. So it is a really attractive, a trust is a really attractive way to avoid those and still have the assets go to the individuals that you um, have designated as the beneficiaries under the trust. Thanks, Michelle. I mean, that really is some great advice. I can't tell you how many appointments and meetings I've had with clients where uh, we we have those same exact questions from them. Is is a trust something really necessary? Uh, I like to think of trusts also when it comes to minor children. It's a great way to protect your kids from your kids because there's not very many 18-year-olds I know that would be able to make good, smart financial decisions if they unfortunately fall upon an inheritance at that age. So yeah, that's great advice. What would you say some of the biggest mistakes are that you see that people make or or things that they overlook when it comes to putting together the right documents? So the prob- probably the biggest mistake I see um, is in the improper funding of a trust. So the client goes through the process of setting up the trust, designating the trustee, putting in all the provisions of where they want the assets to go, and they think that the job is done. When in fact, you have to take the next step of actually transferring the assets, ownership of the assets, title of the assets to the trust. Because if you don't do that, then upon your death, the ask, the only way the assets can get to the trust is to go through probate. And now you've just created a probate situation mm-hmm. that you were trying to prevent against. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I meet with clients, we discuss the trust, we go ahead and sign it. But then the job, my job is not done. The next and final step would be to reach out to all of the institutions that have um, custody of the assets, let them know that you've created a trust, and uh, let them know that you want to now retitle that asset to the trust. Um, Certain types of assets, you will not have the trust own them. You might designate the trust as the beneficiary, such as life insurance. Um, But it it is crucial that you actually take that final step of funding the trust. Otherwise, all the work that you did to put that together, you essentially have wasted that time because you now still have to go through probate. Yeah, that's a great point. And and that's one thing that when you have the ability to work with people in my industry and, and wealth advisors, this is what we help you with. You know, as much as um, you know, working with estate planning attorneys to create the documents, we can then help implement the documents by making sure everything is funded the right way. Uh, So, you know, as you can imagine, a lot of individuals will take the time to put all of the estate planning documents together and then maybe throw it in a cabinet or in a drawer and never look at it again. Uh, So we know it's important that you want to review these documents on a regular type of basis. But, you know, in your opinion, how often should individuals review the documents they put in place? Are there There are key life events maybe that should trigger someone to want to pull the documents back out and read through them again. So I typically tell clients, um, review your documents where you are in life at least every five years. Now, obviously, if there is a life change, um, you have another child that you want to add to to your estate plan. Um, Somebody dies. Let's say you have a trustee that you've designated and that person has passed away. You need to 
at that point, revisit the document, see if there's somebody else to put in. So essentially, the bit your big life changes, um, a birth, a death. Um, there also could be a if, if somebody has suffered a catastrophic health situation where the money that you are designating for them could be of use to pay for certain expenses, uh, that would be another reason to um, to review them. As part of that review, then, I always have clients go back and make sure that all of their beneficiaries are exactly the way that they want them. That is one thing that people tend to forget about is maybe they designated, they have a life insurance policy and they designated spouse as the primary beneficiary and they designated their brother as the money to, who's the person who's going to hold the money for the benefit of their minor children. Well, now they've set up a trust. And in fact, the trust should be the contingent beneficiary, not the brother who is going to be the guardian for the child. So it's important that as part of the review process, you also then go back and review those beneficiary forms to make sure that they are consistent with what your plan is at any given point. That's great advice. I think another life event that would cause anybody to need to review beneficiaries and estate planning documents is unfortunately with divorce rates where they are. Um, in today's world, uh, a divorce is something that really is is going to be a triggering event to review and update documents as well. Absolutely. Um, there are certain types of assets that um, if you designate your spouse as the beneficiary and then you get divorced, but you forget to go back and change the beneficiary, there, those, those assets that that apply to, uh, the, the law would treat the spouse as having predeceased you so that the money does not go to your ex-spouse. But there are assets that that rule does not apply to. So it's crucial upon a divorce to make sure that you go back and not only retitle your assets, but really look at those beneficiary forms to make sure that you're not going to inadvertently leave an ex-spouse um, assets that you did not really intend for them to have. Yeah, that's a great point. So, Michelle, what would you say uh, the most important takeaway is that you would have? If there's one good piece of advice that you would give to any of our listeners right now, what would that great piece of advice be? I would probably say it is don't procrastinate. Um, any type of plan, even a very simple one, is better than no plan at all. If you die without any sort of a plan, you have now created um, headache and heartache for your beneficiaries when they're grieving your death. They now have to deal with the legal system to make sure that the assets or your estate is being transferred appropriately. So even a simple plan is better than no plan at all. Mm, great advice, great advice. Thanks, Michelle. And thanks for all that you do um, for all the clients that you work with as well. So um, thanks for joining us today. For more episodes of The Inner Circle, please visit us at advisors.ubs.com forward slash radius. If you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so at Spotify or Apple Podcast. Again, thanks for joining us and until next time. Today's episode features financial advisors with UBS Financial Services Incorporated, a subsidiary of UBS Group AG, member FINRA, SIPC, located at 3601 Rigby Road, Miamisburg, Ohio, and can be reached at radiusgroup at ubs.com.
This podcast is presented for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. It does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any specific product or service. UBS does not provide legal or tax advice, and we would recommend listeners to obtain appropriate independent professional advice. Some of the views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Group AG or its affiliates. UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. These services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review client relationship summary provided at ubs.com forward slash relationship summary. Michelle Vollmer is not affiliated with UBS Financial Services Incorporated.